Hello everybody, welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox Meeting of Adult Children of Alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne, I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Also, please take a moment to rate our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. It will help others find the show. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting to attend, go to adultchildren.org and click on Meetings. This week, we're hearing from Heather, who spoke about coming out of denial and self-care. Please enjoy. Um, hi, my name's Heather. I'm an adult child in recovery. Here um, thank you for asking me to come and uh, participate tonight. I uh, have a little passage I'm going to read. It's on page 32. In chapter 2, and it's called It Will Never Happen to Me, the name of the chapter. Uh, another skeptic of the effects of verbal and emotional abuse might say, yes, my parents could be harsh, but they meant well. They did not mean what they said. I know they loved and cared about me. In our experience, this kind of selective recall is a form of denial. To think that our parents could shame us or belittle us for being a vulnerable child is too much for us to accept. Like most children, we wanted to believe that our parents cared about us no matter what they said to us. As adults, we searched for any kindness our parents might have shown and ignored clear examples of damaging behavior. Societal pressure helps us select the memories that are more presentable. We can fear being labeled as ungrateful or as a grudge holder if we stop to question what happened in the home. So we forgive and forget, yet the ingested harms of childhood work behind the scenes to sabotage our relationships and careers. Whether we admit it or not, the evidence of the childhood verbal abuse is there in our addiction, codependence, or some other method of neglecting ourselves. There can also be chronic depression and extreme anxiety. Some of us can have panic attacks accompanying these behaviors. We cannot have it both ways. We cannot say that our childhood is perfect, loving, or uneventful, and then act out with addiction or other compulsions. People who truly care about themselves will tell you that they learned to do so in childhood. The thought of harming themselves or staying in a controlling relationship does not appeal to them. They do not live as enablers or as people unsure of their purpose in life. If these people could learn to believe in themselves as children, then why is it so hard for us to accept that we learn to disbelieve in ourselves as children? This is near the core of our woundedness. We do not believe in ourselves. Um, okay, so I wanted to start with that um, because I think uh, for me, a lot of my childhood or a lot of my adult life has been in denial, you know, like that's been my biggest problem. That's what brought me into ACA and I, um, I think, I guess I'll give a little background because a lot, some people don't know me, but um, I was raised in a household with two alcoholics and um, they were functioning alcoholics. My dad was in the military and my, um, my mom was sort of like a housewife, but she also worked as a bank teller, so she had banking hours. And um, a lot, 
there was like physical abuse, sexual abuse. I had an older sister who was like seven years older than me. So I kind of feel like an only child because she was there until I was 10 years old and then she was gone. So um, a lot of my childhood my um, was just me in my room trying not to get spankings. There was lots of like random violence from my father. And that sort of childhood where, like there was also good times too. And I think that's kind of what the passage I was reading made me think of is like, the denial for me as an adult was like, everything was fine. Like that's how I described my family. I thought what my dad did to me happened to every little girl. Like I didn't think, like most of my girlfriends were also sexually abused as well, or but we didn't call it sexual abuse. It's just like, there's some weird things that happened when I was a kid. So there was, there was like that sort of, like I never dated anyone who had a, a good childhood. So I just thought it was pretty normal. And, um, but the way I was living my life um, was sort of what I was gonna talk about tonight because the tool that I used was basically getting out of denial. You know, I um, came to New York City in my 30s. So like, I guess I was like 35 years old. And I came here to be with a woman. I had We had an affair with each other in grad school. And I basically like, she was like, if you love me, you'll come to New York. So I came to New York and like that was like sort of my behavior all throughout my adult life. Since I was 20, I was just sort of, people would tell me what to do. I had no sort of idea of what I wanted to do. You know, I didn't, I was like, I just, I was just basically living to survive and to get love. You know, I was really looking for love, um, parental love that I never got. So um, she was very abusive. Um, it was one of those situations where it was uh, like, like lots of love bombing and... Ten minutes, Heather. Okay, thanks, Linus. So there was like a lot of um, love bombing and uh, like, I hate you, I love you. That was that kind of relationship. It was very dramatic. And I was basically living, you know, in a situation was like with my parents. I moved in with two painters. I'm an artist. And we met in grad school. And they were a couple and they would have fights like every other night. And so I would just be in my room, locked in my room while they were fighting and taking up the whole house. Like someone would lock themselves in the bathroom. So if I had to go to the bathroom, it just wasn't happening that night. And um, it was like that for like my first year in New York City. So I was like always going to the restaurant. It, anyway, I, I say that story because when Robin read The Solution, she said there was a partner that was like, we, um, we, uh, what was it, something about, we, our actions are coming from love. Um, actions coming from love. So that was like the tool that's really gotten me through this program. Um, the first action was, while I was dating that woman, she told me I had intimacy issues, and so I saw that on Saturday there was the ACA meeting for struggles for intimacy. So I was like, well, let me go into this intimacy meeting so that I can learn how to become better for her, you know? And so I started going to that program and that was like the first actions of love towards myself, even though it was in service of her. And going into that room and hearing the 12 steps or the, uh, the 14 traits, <laughs> the laundry list, um, it was just mind shattering. It was my first 12 step program. Um, I had never heard myself, like as we, you know, a lot of people say, just really recognize myself in those traits. and. My, um, I would just go there every weekend, 
like every Saturday morning. And I, those were like, that was like my first act of love. My second act of love was like breaking up with her. It took two years to do that. Like even though I was coming to the rooms, being with her just felt more and more uncomfortable. And that's what I really love about this program is that it's so subtle. I didn't work the step. I hadn't worked the steps. I had just bought the book and I would read the book every like morning. I'd read like a paragraph or a page before, I, like usually before I went to bed. And you know, it's like so rich and so deep that it was just like I could concentrate on that page. And um, and then I was just like, oh yeah, my parents were alcoholics. Like even though that they, you know, my idea was of an alcoholic was like my uncle who like couldn't function and he was like just like really abusive and drunk like all day so the idea of like my parents coming home and their mood swings didn't seem like alcoholism to me but um that's how it presented itself like um you know at this point my dad has to shake some stuff like that if he doesn't have a drink if, but the denial part of it for me was um just let me slow down a little bit i guess where I started to learn to like love myself was part of waking up from the denial, like being able to say, you know, to myself I, that my parents have a drinking problem. And then also looking at myself and saying, you know, is this relationship making me happy? What are my dreams and goals? Like, you know, am I gonna stay with the painters and like, you know, worked for just like work to pay the rent like there was no life there and coming to this room has really given me a life that I've never could possibly have dreamed of I um I came into this room like a shell of a person who uh, was really filled up with love and support from the people in this program and how that kind of manifested was really just um feeling safe for the first time in my life and i guess another tool i would say that really helped was getting out of my comfort zone like speaking up at these rooms i know in the zoom room it's harder because it's you know we're these little computer screens there's not that human to human contact but i um you know making phone calls like i was very much an isolation i don't think that's a word but <laughs> it's an isolationist and um, I just really felt safe for being alone. And so picking up the phone and calling a stranger, and you know, like, what am I gonna talk to them about? And then it's like, we have so much in common, you know what I mean? I could call any one of you right now and we could have like a conversation for an hour on our childhoods, because it's like, it's the same thing, whether your parents are alcoholic or if they're a workaholic or- I did it. Thanks, Linus. It's just this sense of being abandoned as a child. And that abandonment created, uh, made it so easy for me to abandon myself. And that's something I have to really watch out for on my every day, you know? Every morning I still wake up depressed. I was gonna say slightly depressed, but is there a slightly depressed? I don't know, but I wake up very sad. And um, there's just like a sense of like another day, you know? And I think it's worse because of the pandemic, but now I do like, um, and listen to like meditation music for 30 minutes, like right before I'm about to get out of bed. And then I do like five minutes, just, I call it open call prayer. So I just say like, thank you God for making today such a wonderful day. And 
thank you for the sunshine. If it's raining outside, I say thank you for the rain. I just feel so peaceful. And I just say these like open prayers, thanking God or that you know God in my higher understanding or whatever they say um, <laughs> to you know sort of make a sense like my day is going to be good because as a kid my day was never good. Like I never knew what my day was going to be like. I'd wake up in a good mood and. Then my dad would come home and everything would be ruined or I didn't put a dish away or I forgot to like, you know, I was chewing gum and I get slapped or something. So it's like always, it's like the day is going to be bad type of a feeling. And I think even now at my age, I still feel like the day is going to be bad. You know, like I just wait, I'm so trained for that. So after I do the open call prayers, then I um, say these affirmations. I got <laughs> like about a hundred affirmations I say. I am a winner. Heather is a winner. Heather, you are a winner. You know, um, I don't know. I love myself and, oh, I love myself unconditionally and I'm passionately in love with myself. But that's another one. Um, the list goes on. I could give you guys some if you're interested. But um, so I do that and then I get out of bed and I feel pretty good. I feel pretty damn good. I do some stretches. <laughs> I do my like leg stretches and um like all of that and i can do that now in the pandemic i think if i had to go to work you know i really it'd be a whole different story but making that like 30 minutes of self-care really lifts my spirits and before bed i think i probably would need to do i probably should start doing something before bed because maybe then i wouldn't wake up so depressed but i haven't really come up with anything yet that i want to do before bed maybe i need to do nighttime affirmations or a nighttime prayer that's actually not a bad idea but um anyway i guess another tool of this program for me is like um really trying to play you know i've been playing a lot more during the pandemic and by play i mean i've been going to the beach just <laughs> like which is and i've been going to the beach by myself which isn't something i normally would have done because i'm too scared it's embarrassed but i just get my you know granddad lawn chair and I drag it out to the beach and I like get a blanket and my umbrella and I put a hat on and I just sit and I listen to the sound of the waves and I watch people and my little kid loves it like my parents never took it I didn't go to the beach I was like probably 37 I think so that was you know my first time at the beach and so like going to the beach has been a big thing for me I started going on forest hikes and taking baths like another thing I do I you know that's like a these are all forms of self-care but you know I never was hugged a lot as a kid like my mom never hugged there was no cuddling in my family it was always sexually inappropriate like not appropriate hugging and um so I take baths when I do that um to like feel that nurturance and I just sit in a, in a hot tub you know even though it's summertime and I put the fan on in the bathroom one minute Thank you. I'll just wrap up with this line. Um, the bathtub feels like a hug, and it feels very um, comforting to me. And I put a lot of salt in there. There's something about salt water that really feels soothing and cleansing. And um, I light candles, and I turn the lights out, and I put the fan on, and it's like the most romantic, beautiful, loving thing I can do for myself. And I feel like that's really been sort of my tools of recovery and thanks for letting me qualify tonight and it's great. Excited to hear what you guys have to say.